Good evening or morning, whenever you are watching this worship. Our gospel reading for this weekend for the Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord comes from the Gospel of Mark in the ninth chapter. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, as we end this season of Epiphany where your light has shone all around us and we enter the season of Lent, be with us in our hearts, on our lips, in our minds. Transform us by your love that we might share that love with one another. Amen. For the past several years, every time it comes to be Transfiguration Sunday, I think about Jerusalem Lutheran Church in Altmont. I don't even think it's called Altmont anymore. It's now part of Sellersville, but it's right up 309 a bit. It's a little Lutheran church. I think you could fit their entire sanctuary into this half of UDLC's worship space. It's dark wood and stained glass, and it's quite beautiful. And over the altar, behind and just looming, is an amazing mural of the Transfiguration. It's not great art, but it has a lot of the elements of the great art that depicts this feast day in the church year. Jesus is front and center, hovering over the mountain where he has brought the disciples. It is shining bright with white and gold. The disciples, Peter, James, and John, are underneath their faces, kind of a mix of awe and fear. And of course, Moses and Elijah, law and prophet, are on either side, flanking Jesus and completing the picture. There is nowhere you can go in the sanctuary at Jerusalem Lutheran Church in Sellersville where you do not see that mural. It's big. And so when you sit in that church, you're kind of overtaken by that sense of God's glory, kind of like what happened on that mountaintop, right? Jesus went to these newly minted disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he says, let's go to the mountain to pray. 
They must have known that the mountain was a place of encounter with God. But I imagine they simply thought they were going with their teacher, with their leader, just to be alone and apart. But when they got there, something incredible happened. And ever since, for generations, pastors and commentators and lay people in the church have on this feast day gone, what's that all about? And tried to figure it out. Haven't we? It is just beyond our imagination. Or maybe it's not. Maybe we've been there where Peter, James, and John were that day. Maybe you've had those moments where God's presence has been so incredibly real that 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 film between here and there, between the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven, seems at least for a moment, for a heartbeat, to be completely permeable. Maybe on a retreat. Maybe in a worship service that just for some reason captures your heart and your imagination and your spirit. Maybe in a moment of deepest sorrow or deepest joy. Maybe you've had that moment. So you can imagine Peter, even unable to understand everything that was happening, going to Jesus and saying, let's just build some huts, okay? Let's just stay. This is really good. Let's not move. And if we don't move, we won't lose the luster of God's presence. But Jesus' wisdom, God's wisdom, so much beyond our own, remembered that they had been called to something else. In Mark's gospel, as they go down the mountain, Jesus even says to them, you don't have all the puzzle pieces yet. Don't try to tell the story. Wait. Just hold it. Just hold the experience come down the mountain. And they go down, and if we read a little bit further in the Gospel of Mark, we find out that when they go down, they go into a place where there is again a need for healing, a longing for God, a longing for something beyond. And they get right back to it. Doesn't it seem like that sometimes? That we have those glimpses of God in God's most amazing power and presence. And then even before we can catch our breath and go down the mountain, it's gone and we're into the work. This year, this congregation, UDLC, has, listen for the prefix again, been in transition. Transfiguration transition, things are changing, things are moving, God is present. But there is work to get to God's full vision. The whole story has not yet been told. All the puzzle pieces aren't put together yet. 
we're still seeking, we're still serving, we're still discipling, if you will allow me that word, which I don't think actually exists. We are still on the journey. In the Catholic tradition, this feast of transfiguration doesn't occur at this time of year. It's at the end of summer, in the middle of the ordinary time. But for we who are in this tradition, it is this place that brings us from all these glorious aha stories and the light of epiphany into a very different aha experience in Lent. Aha, aha, which now is, if we are to follow Jesus, it's not only in those moments of light and revelation, but in those moments of sin and brokenness. In those moments where we call out how long and where are you and will you forgive me and do I belong and does God know who I am? All those questions of the journey that say that before we can be to the resurrection, before we can know the fullness of what God has come to do in Jesus Christ, we need to go to the cross. That step can't be avoided. We can't stay on the mountain. As disciples, we need to come back and walk with Jesus, trusting that that glow is still there. Maybe even if we can't see it. This year, in the midst of transition, we have not had our sacred points in the same way, have we? If I ask people in this congregation and in other places where I have conversation with people of God. What do you miss most this year? Many of them will say being in the church building, smelling the candles, hearing the music, having the body of Christ handed to them, being shoulder to shoulder with other worshipers, that place where we glimpse holiness in one another and in this sacred space, that's missing. Yes, we've been able to worship. Yes, we have prayed together. Yes, we have encouraged. Yes, we have been the people of God. Yes, we are still disciples. But where are the sacred mountaintop moments that feed us for the journey? Oh, how we have missed those, haven't we? I wonder what it was like for Peter, James, and John. After they were up on that mountain, and they had that vision, and they didn't know exactly what it meant, but they came back down. And Jesus said, don't tell yet. Don't say anything. You don't know the whole story. But I wonder if the other disciples and the ones that they served from that moment on couldn't perceive something. I wonder if it isn't true that every time we have one of those moments where God seems so close that our hearts are lifted and that our countenance becomes that combination of awe and fear I wonder if we are not 
transformed in some way. And in some way that is visible, palpable to others. I wonder if our finding holy space and holy nourishment and holy moments isn't about our being transformed and transfixed and brought together so that we have the strength and the hope and the love that we need for the journey. And I wonder if maybe that's not what this Feast of Transfiguration brings to us. Maybe every year, but certainly this year. Maybe it's a call for us to look, to seek holy places. Places where we can see that transfigured glory. To remember in the midst of everything that seems so out of whack, to take a moment to breathe in the presence of God, to make space for it, to make room in our hearts, in our lives for it, to carve out places and times where we do nothing but go up to a mountain to be in the presence of God in Jesus Christ so that we might for a moment glimpse that holiness and have our spirit renewed and be transformed so that we come down from the mountain into the everyday, into the struggles, knowing we are not there alone. These aren't big revelatory things for us to think about. This is the core of our faith. We know it. But how easy it is sometimes to forget to take that time to seek holiness, which does not happen only in this building but in so many places around us. And to open our hearts and our lives to the transforming power of God's presence. Maybe that's the core of this feast that takes us from light to journey, to cross, to resurrection. That takes us into the presence of God, which does not let us go. It's been years since I served at Jerusalem, but I don't forget that picture. Something about it holds me. It is in me. I will never forget it. And sometimes... When I need the presence of God and the holiness feels very far away, I can sit for a moment and imagine and be back in that presence and allow God's light to bathe me, to encourage me, to lift me up, to hold me for a moment on the mountain and then send me back. This day of transfiguration, this is a holy day. 
This is a blessed day. This is a day of miraculous, holy change of spirit. It is a gift, and we don't have to understand it. We simply need to receive. Amen.